0: Hello and welcome to this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You channel. I am Michelle and today we are continuing, I am continuing with your help, with you, by, by the grace of God, by the leading of Holy Spirit, I am continuing the pivoting out of cursing into blessing series. We are in, according to the word of the Lord, we are in a season of blessing. And he has given all of us, each and every single one of us, the opportunity to pivot, make a hard right turn into that season. That means that we have to be prepared, we have to be ready to go, we have to be on our P's and Q's. Most importantly, we have to be led of the spirit. So I started a series within that series um, in the previous segment, which has to do with the Boaz syndrome. The Boaz Syndrome. So, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to it. Make sure, in the meantime, that you also uh, let me get these housekeeping details out of the way. Like, comment, share, subscribe, get your notifications—all of that good stuff. But right now, we're going to get back into part two of the Boaz Syndrome. So, so the first segment uh, of this series within a series started within. Uh, started in Ruth chapter 1. And I want to encourage you. So as part of this whole process, I hope that I am in encouragement. I believe by the grace of God that he will use this for you in your own life. The things that I share. These are things that I have experienced, that I have heard, that I know that I have lived. I am not trying to live somebody else's life. That is That is not my desire. It may have been at one point in time when I felt like I wasn't enough. But praise be to God for bringing me the revelation that my life is is my life or his life is in me and that I have to own that and embrace it in order for him to move. And so I want to encourage you in that. I also want to encourage you to read the word of God. Read the Bible. Now, if you need to get started with another translation just to get a feel for it, that's fantastic. But I want to encourage you to go to the King James. One of the things I like about the King James, and I'm not, I'm not here to talk about the historical accuracy. I'm not, that's not what this is about. That's not even where God has us, okay, just so you know. If people have made other translations, it's because that's what they have chosen to do. What God gave us is this version. That's what I know. It's not to say that any other one is less inspired if that's what someone felt they needed to do. What I'm saying is that the reason I read the King James by and large is because it challenges me. I don't understand the context and even some of the definitions, and this has been for years. I understand better now because he taught me. He said, if there's something you don't understand, just ask me or go get yourself a dictionary or a thesaurus. It's that simple. So don't say, well, well, I don't read the King James, either because whatever the reason is, read it because it will not only challenge you by the principles presented, it will challenge you to up your game in terms of study. Okay, so I want to encourage you in that. So now let's get started into Ruth 2. The principles, and also regardless of what Bible you read, if you're reading, so let's be honest, if you're reading, everybody wants to be a Christian, nobody wants to do the work. Being a quote-unquote Christian, a person like Christ or who wants to be like Christ, it's not our call, so I don't even call myself, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the, uh, the empowering and the infilling of Holy Spirit so I'm a believer in Jesus Christ I believe he died for me I, but I also believe he died for you he died for all he is the Savior of the world guess who the world is all of us and anyone that says anything different does not understand or does not believe in the cross of Christ and the power of the cross Thank you for the cross, Jesus. That's where it starts. Um, We have to go through the cross to get to everything else. And remember, no, I haven't gotten started yet. Ruth 2, the Boaz Syndrome. I haven't forgotten, but I haven't gotten started either. It wasn't the crucifixion that proved Christ to be the Savior of the world, it was the resurrection. The cross most certainly. Is our uh, standard? Is our artifact? Is our um, what is it? There's a word for it, and when I when I find it, I can see it better than I can say it. When I find it, I will let you know. Understanding that that's where it starts. Other people were crucified. There were two with him on the day that Jesus, in fact, was crucified, died, and buried. But only one was resurrected. Only one caused the Father to pour out his spirit so that we could live. So now, the Boaz syndrome. This is – I'm just telling you, when the Lord started talking to me about this yesterday, um, I, was, I was kind of blown away because I wasn't – number one, I wasn't expecting it. But if you go back to some of the earlier, uh, the earlier uh, segments of this podcast, one of the things I said is I really don't know how long this is going to go or where it's going to go. And I, I say that with all sincerity and continue to say it with all sincerity. Um, so let's go to chapter 2 in Ruth. I am in the King James. When we read, and going back to the previous um, segment, Ruth 1, don't just read the story. That's how we got to, I'm going to get my Boaz. Because we like the outcomes, but we don't understand the process. Ruth was not looking for a Boaz. Ruth was not looking for a husband. Let's be clear. So we're talking about intent. We're talking about where she was coming from and why. Ruth's story is about obedience, loyalty, and faithfulness. It is a picture of not just Ruth, but as the bride of Christ, what we should be looking like. We like to pick and choose the things that we want. But it's the Lord's call. Yes, he's giving, given us the power to choose. Don't mistake that. He's given each and every person, so that can never be taken away. He's given each and every one of us the capacity, the faculty, to choose. But he also says, I'm the one that's putting it before you. I'm causing you to see it. Life and death, therefore choose life. He's already given us the answer to the test. So Ruth is not just about Boaz, and neither is this story only about a woman looking for a husband. That's not even, that's secondary to everything else. It is an outcome that the Lord delivered her into because of her obedience and her faithfulness to the covenant. Go back and listen to the previous segment because we talk about how her commitment and her covenant with her husband carried over to her mother-in-law. That's why she's still there. And I want to also point out, before I go into uh, chapter 2, this is, if you don't see anything else in Scripture about this, although there's a lot in there, whether you want to see it or not, it's also proof because Ruth is a Moabite. She did not believe in God Almighty. She had other gods by her culture and heritage that she believed in, just like Abram did before he got called out to be Abraham. Understand. There is nothing new under the sun, so you have a Moabite woman and and woman out of coming out of Bethlehemite coming out together into the promise of God. Don't ever let anyone tell you that there is a reason why different cultures and races and heritages and uh, complexions and All of those things we like to label, don't ever let anyone tell you that that's not supposed to happen or can't happen. This is a perfect story of it happening because the supernatural, the covenant brought them together, and so they were bound together in covenant of completely different cultural heritage and history. So let's stop with the foolishness there. Ruth, too. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, so a relative of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, notice the introduction is about Boaz, but the introduction is not about Ruth looking for Boaz. It's about Naomi remembering her that she has a relative, she's still looking out, hear me, Naomi is looking out for Ruth, Ruth is not looking out for Boaz, Naomi is looking out for Ruth, go back to chapter one, go back to the previous episode where I talk about all of this, Naomi is still looking out for Ruth. Ruth is still looking out for Naomi, which we are getting ready to get into. Ruth is not looking for, quote, unquote, her Boaz. And Ruth says, so Naomi remembers that she has a kinsman, a relative of her husband's. But Ruth is saying to Naomi, let me go now to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Okay, so at this point, Ruth may or may not know whose field she's in, but that wasn't the point. The reason she's saying, after him in whose sight I shall find grace, is because men were primarily the landowners, number one, and it was a tradition, a practice, a policy, whatever you want to call it, by the uh, a commandment, a rule, an instruction, that anyone that was tilling fields, that was that was working fields, producing harvest, should lean four corners, leave the four corners for those less fortunate, as we like to say, to glean from. There's a whole nother lesson in that, the gleaning, because the gleaning. Presumes that there's somebody else that has more, right? In this case, Boaz. His his fields are producing enough harvest to make him wealthy. So that speaks to his ability to work the land in a productive way that brings him financial wealth. And according as we see later, also he was he was a good man, meaning God saw fit to make him also good spiritually, right? Because this is before Christ. So there is no, the salvation is implied. The righteousness is implied looking forward. So he knew his business, but he also knew the custom, which was if I have enough or more than enough, and this is by the order of God, Then I am to leave some principle. Read the Bible for principles, not just for the things you like. Then I am to leave some in the corners so that those that don't have what I have can get what they need to survive. It doesn't mean they're going to get wealthy, although the Lord might make them wealthy. It means they will still have enough because I have more than enough, the gleaning. And so those that didn't have food or needed on when, when they were harvesting crops to get food could come behind the actual workers, those who were hired hands, to get what they needed for that day. And if you remember, at the end of, of chapter 1, it says, they came, they being Naomi and Ruth, came into Bethlehem, the house of bread, in the beginning of barley harvest. That's significant. Because when they left, when, when Naomi left, there was a famine. Now there is a harvest. It's barley harvest. That speaks to a season. So we already know there's food there. Moving on. So she says, let me go glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she she doesn't know that the field she's going to at this moment is Boaz. She's saying him in whose sight I might find grace is because she knows the practice of gleaning. And when someone who is righteous recognizes he doesn't go and make fun, and I'm saying he because this is gender specific since man men were the primary uh landowners there were some of course i'm sure that didn't allow gleaning even though they were supposed to but she said let me go and see in whose field i might find grace meaning that they will allow me to get food for you and me she doesn't know at this point that it's boaz and she said to to go go my daughter and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hat in in the um King James, it says, in her half. Basically, and her circumstance, her situation, and it so happened. See, and this is how you know. This is how you know she didn't know. Was to light on a part of the field or to end up in a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech that it shows us Naomi knew or was aware of in verse 1. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, now here's how you know he's a man of God. He's talking to the reapers, his hired hands. And he says, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. The power of blessing. clearly." part of the element of wealth okay so we like to focus on the wealth but the spiritual wealth was present before the financial wealth. if he's going out to the fields and blessing the workers and the workers are returning that blessing then nothing but life is coming out of those fields If he's going, or since he was going, out into the field and blessing the workers, and the workers are returning the blessing to the overseer, the owner of the field, nothing but life is coming out of that situation. Blessing is life. Cursing is death. I put before you life and death. Therefore, choose life. Choose blessing. They are intentionally it is part of who they are or who they have become in their process. He's speaking life over them. They're speaking life back to him. The Lord bless you. And they say, The Lord bless you. When was the last time you said that to somebody, whether they work for you or not? Work for you, with you, around you, go to church with you? Hmm. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was over the reapers, whose damsel is this? So he doesn't know her. She doesn't know him. I need you all to hear this. Ruth did not go looking for her Boaz. She didn't know him. He didn't know her. She did not even go into the field with the intent of, of – of, now, she was a wife, but she didn't go to the field with the intent Of getting a husband or seeking a husband. She was trying to take care of her mother in law. She was on assignment. She was on a mission. She was in covenant relationship. She had a love for her mother in law that compelled her to ensure that she was taken care of. She was on a mission. She was faithful. She was loyal. She was loving. She was willing to work to ensure. That she could do what she believed she needed to do under the covenant she entered into with her husband. When you marry, you marry the family. When you marry, you marry the family. When you marry, you marry the family. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Now, so we know at this point that everyone knew Naomi. Because when she came back, they were, they remembered her, they recognized her. When she said in chapter, if you go back to chapter one, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because I left full. And I came back empty. I left content and filled with joy. I came back bitter. So clearly the word has gotten around. For those that weren't actually there to see her, when they came back into town, clearly the word has traveled that she's back and that a Moabitess woman named Ruth has come back with her. Ruth was not with her then when she left. But now both Ruth, both Naomi and Ruth are known. And she said, I pray you, let me glean. So now this is the first time we see any sort of encounter between Ruth and Boaz. He's being accountable as the overseer and the owner of his crops and his field and his land. He's being, uh, being uh, exercising his due diligence and he's saying, well, who is this in the field? The reaper tells him she then asks even though she has started to glean or in the process of gleaning, she says, "I pray you or I'm in this situation pray means ask it always means ask but the Lord, as the Lord says, we don't want, number one we don't know what to ask for and then when we ask we don't we want to use it for our own selves instead of for his glory, which is to bless all the families of the earth." Let me glean, I pray you. Let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So understand, this is the equivalent. It, it could be the equivalent of what we consider scraps today, but there is enough. It's not. It's still fresh, right? They're not leaving moldy. You know, it may be picked over, but they're still. It's still quality. They're still. the The, the reapers may be picking over things, but they know to leave some quality items around the corners for the gleaners those that would pick up what's left so they're not this is not trash so she came and ha- and continued from the morning until later and then she carried a little in the house now, the house, of course, is probably a place of rest for the reapers or where they might get some sort of refreshment. So they also let her into that space. Then said Boaz unto Ruth. Now, remember, he was told by the overseer of the, Reup, uh, of the reapers that, Ruth was in, that that was Ruth. It wasn't until after that point, because of Naomi's reputation, Because Naomi was also family. I don't know to what degree. I don't know what level, first, second, third cousin, first cousin. I don't know. That's that's not what this is about. And when we get into that level of uh, granular detail, we miss the principle. This is all about principles. This is all about principles. Yes, there's a story. But the story is only in here because of the principles. That we see demonstrated in the story, in the people that are in the story, in the event, in the activity. Then said Boaz under Ruth, here's you not my daughter. Go not to glean in another field. Now, daughter here is one of respect, okay, so please, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. If you have any other questions or issues, work that out with the Lord. The use of the term daughter here is out of respect. Go not to glean in another field, neither go from here, but abide here fast by my maidens. Other people that were taking care of things for him, business-wise, taking care of the house, taking care of, taking care of what needed to be taken care of as, because of his wealth, he would have had maids, servants, uh, Male servants, maid servants. So the reapers were more than likely males. I don't know that, so don't quote me on that and don't get caught up in it. At this point, he's saying, You can also, you know, be with, instead of being with all the men, you can be with my maidens. So he's setting, he's putting her in a position, one where she feels comfortable and where he's extending grace and hospitality to her in the same way that these other members because these are people when, when you had wealthy people in this time they became members of your household so he's saying you don't have to go anywhere else you don't have to leave here just stay close to my maidens so he's providing protection and safety for her let your eyes be on the field that they do reap so maids Maids, uh, uh, clearly here, uh, are, are also in the fields reaping or doing, taking care of the household, taking care of, making sure the crops are properly prepared, doing their due diligence according to the instructions they have been given. They are being obedient. And go thou after them. You go after them. Again, providing safety. He says, I've already told the young men not to touch you. Providing safety, providing protection. And when you are thirsty, you can drink from the vessels that I have provided for the reapers and for the maidens. You can, you can drink out of that. It's okay. So he's now giving her access. On levels, number one, she didn't ask for. And number two, all she asked to do was to glean. Then she fell on her face. (laughs) Principles. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Now, let's just talk about this for a second. Because inevitably, somebody listening is going to have a question. She bowed before him. Principles. Now, that may have been the practice of the day. And in some ways, today is the practice. right? Look at what we're bowing down to. What are you bowing down to? You may not be physically doing it, but spiritually and in your soul, what are you bowing down to? So this is all about principles. She's bowing down, not as an act of worship. She's bowing down as an act of humility. She found grace in his sight. Which Isn't that what she asked? Uh, Let me go and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She finds grace. She recognizes it, and so she's humbled by that because she, basically she says, you don't know me. Why are you doing all of this? Why are you doing this for me? I am a stranger. I'm from another place. We don't even know each other. Principles. She was humbled, and so she bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully shown to me all that you have done. Unto your mother-in-law since the death of your own husband, and how you have left your own mother and father and the land of your birth, the land of your culture and heritage and where you were raised, and have come unto a people which you did not know before then. This is the peace. Loyalty, faithfulness, love, covenant, transcends culture, heritage, race as we think about it. And we don't like to talk about that because we like what we like and we don't like what we don't like. And we want to manipulate and we want to tell the Lord to do with his people, all of whom we are, whether we want to be or not because he died for all. What's outstanding is not what God has or hasn't done. What's outstanding is the the, the degree to which we acknowledge and accept that and choose that. He says, I'm going to bless you so you can bless somebody else, or I am going to live through you in order to bless all the families of the earth. Where does that process start? With you and with me. I mean, it starts with you and with me. The co-laboring. But we have to accept the invitation, some basic things about the Lord in order to receive him so that he can bless through us. He is saying, Boaz, he is saying right here, it has been fully shown to me. Now, whether he got a revelation of the Lord or whether somebody came and just told him, whether the overseer of the reapers told him how he, she had been taking care of, left everything she knew, go and I will show. That, where have you heard that before? With Abram and with a few other people. Joseph wasn't a go and I will show, but he sure enough did end up in Egypt after his brothers deserted him and left him for dead. So this theme of ending up in places we don't know in order for the Lord to bless is not uncommon. It doesn't mean that every single person has to do that in order to be a blessing. But at a minimum, you have to be willing. This is Ruth going to get her Boaz. She's taking care of her mother-in-law. And the reputation of that, because people knew Naomi, the reputation of her diligence, her faithfulness, her love, her loyalty, is what causes Boaz to pay attention. He who finds a wife. He who finds a wife, not a woman. Becoming a wife is not about getting married. That makes it legal, right? That makes it acknowledged and recognized. But in order for a righteous man, a Boaz, to find you, you better be on your assignment, your mission. You better be loving, loyal, faithful, taking care of the things that the Lord has put in your hands to handle, not just things, people. How are you taking care of the people the Lord is already giving giving you because that the nurturing, the caring, the some people call it spoiling. How are you consistently demonstrating love and loyalty and faithfulness? We look on the outside, so we're looking for all of these things and I'm not saying you can't, she wasn't taking care of herself, but that's not the primary point. The primary point is God is looking on the inside. So what kind of person, before you can look for a Boaz, you better be a wife. In heart, it doesn't mean you would have had to be married and or divorced and or widowed. It means your heart has to be after God. It has to be, because the first thing she said to Naomi before she left is she says, your God will be my God worship already already established if you are gorgeous and you love to wear fancy clothes that's great but if your heart is dark that is not the wife that God has called you to be you have to be a wife in your heart meaning you love to take care of people you love to nurture people you love to uh, you're faithful you're loyal you have integrity I will also note that the principle here is that the woman does not go to look for the husband. You can shout me down all you want. I'm talking about the principle. This is not Michelle's opinion. I am reading to you from the word. The principle is that the woman does not go looking for, quote, unquote, a man, a Boaz. She is committed to what – what the Lord has put in her to do. She is led of the spirit to the field where she will be found. Now, let's let's do let's do the converse. Let's do let's talk about it. It's quite possible, one, that she could have ended up ended up in another field. And that the man would have treated her badly, the the overseer. And I'm saying man, gender-specific, because generally at this point in time in history, males were the primary landowners. So I am using that intentionally, and I want to be very clear about that. So it is possible that she would have gone to another field, aside from the grace of God, aside from the leading of the Spirit, which is implied She could have ended up in another field where she couldn't glean, was treated poorly, was abused or, or in some way. So that's another one option. So she wouldn't have been found. By a man who was righteous in God's side. There's the other option. There's probably several. I'm going to use these two. There's the other option of her doing her due diligence, being faithful, going to places she may not have wanted to go or cared to go, not looking for a man, a Boaz, gleaning in the field, and he doesn't care. He's just like, okay, well, just let her get her, th- her whatever she's going to get. If she come back, I'm not going to say anything, but, you know, he didn't have to let her in to these other places of his household. He didn't have to. Uh, uh, set up, talk talk to the young men and say, don't touch her. Okay, so there's clearly an awareness of human nature here. It is not being denied that we are driven by our senses, sensually driven, carnally driven, the spirit of dirt, I call it. Clearly he is aware of these things, and he's already said, don't do it. Don't think you're going to get away with anything. And then he also simultaneously puts her near the maidens, which he probably has already set another hedge around. So there is this co-ed situation, but there are rules and there are guidelines that everyone is expected to follow. He did not have to do that for her. So there could have been, you get sent to a field, you don't want to go, regardless of what, okay, all right, Lord, whatever you say, I don't want to lose any more sleep over this, I'm going to go. You don't know what's there, you don't know what you're going to find, you don't know why you have to go, why can't someone else go? And the Lord is positioning you in a way for you to be found. But you're not going to be found, number one, if you don't go. Number two, you don't go looking for anything except the leading of the Spirit. You're not there to find a husband. You're not there for that. You are to be found according to the leading of the Spirit by the man, in the man. He who finds a wife. Not he who makes a wife. Not he who gets married, because the making of the wife is the Lord's to do. The husband's finding the wife that is meant for him is the Lord's to do. If you are sent into a field, we don't know what the fields are, okay, just, just All of this ties, everything ties together. That's why we have to be led of the Spirit. So yes, it is possible to go to fields you don't want to go to. And the Lord is working in someone to find you. You're not looking, but he should be. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and therefore finds favor. If you are a wife, then the favor is with you already. An additional favor accrues to the man because of his intentional looking and finding for the wife that God has prepared for him. Now, if he misses it, so be it. But we are not to go looking. Wives are made by God. And what I mean by that is part of the process is the becoming of a wife. And and, and let's be very clear. The becoming is about who we are as people. And I'm going to elevate this conversation in just a moment. I just, I knowing in the spirit, I have to say this. This is not just about Ruth and Boaz. This is a picture of Christ in the church. He comes for a holy bride without spot or wrinkle. Someone who is loyal, faithful, obedient, humble, repentant. So yes, this is, Story. This event. This story is about an event that occurred between a man and a woman, out of, of pure hearts. They're both pure-hearted. He could have taken advantage her, of her. She could have taken advantage of him. But the Lord has already told us the reason this is in here is because he's already shown us that he's not she what she's in this for has nothing to do with finding. She's already accepted the fact that she's a widow. She doesn't have a husband. I don't care how that happened. It says in this case, she was widowed. But understand that it doesn't matter how it happens. Either you're not married. You've been married. You're divorced. You've been married. You've uh, your your uh, uh, spouse has transitioned. Um or well, you were never married. You're just sing- you're single. It doesn't matter how it happened. You're without a husband. That doesn't mean you can't be a wife. The husband's finding is what brings favor to his life. If you are continuing in obedience to the Lord, then you're going to be a wife and going to get the blessing and the favor of the Lord no matter what as long as you're humble, you're repentant, you're led of the spirit. Right? Because ultimately, the groom is Christ quote unquote the bridegroom is always Christ that's the picture the principle not just the event the work not just the outcome when you get this your life will change you'll appreciate if you do not whether whether you are a man or a woman it does not matter you will appreciate the principle appreciate the principle because what are we being prepared for to be the bride of christ without spot or wrinkle can you do that for yourself no can i no When he says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's in the New Testament. Go look it up. He's saying, you didn't allow me to become life to you, life in you. You didn't allow me to use you to bless all the families of the earth that I died for, which is all. You thought you had it so together you didn't need me but now you want the outcome of going to heaven or you want the outcome of being with me for all eternity he's saying nope that's not how it works when you had this life time is eternity manifested when you were in time was the time you prepared yourself that's 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 when you spoke the 10 read about the uh The ten maids who had their lamps lit. Principles all throughout Scripture. Same thing over and over again, just with different characters. Same thing is happening today, just with different characters. The scenery changes. The tools might change. Same principles over and over again. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So he's not changing. He's saying, okay, here's how it works. And then when you take this seriously, you'll begin to see it everywhere. You'll begin to see it. Oh, okay. Doesn't mean we figured it out. Be clear about that. Because we don't know how it's going to manifest, when it's going to manifest. What I'm saying right now is there is no such thing as finding your Boaz, because that's not the principle. The principle is the husband finds, the woman becomes. And we don't like that talk. Why? Because it doesn't speak to equality. Let me tell you something. The greatest source of equality is what. God has given us, every single one of us has the same opportunity. We were born into the same infirmity, sin, seriously in need of healing. So what he has told us is not that we don't have sin. He's telling us what it takes to get out of it or to rise above it. That the principles by his spirit in his name transcend the circumstances and the situations we find ourselves in. He's given us the opportunity. The opportunity is waiting. He says, now you make the choice. And can I tell you something? Whether it's marriage, work, church, family, every single moment of our lives is a choice. After a certain age, Because there is a period of instruction. We should always be learning and be willing to be instructed of of the Lord. But there's a certain period of our natural lives that we have to be incubated or supposed to be incubated. And and he says, that's right, raise up a child. Now, the child could be the the natural, a natural child, or it could be a spiritual born-again person. But we have to raise them up in the way they should go. What do you think he's doing then? This yes this is a beautiful story about a woman and a man coming together but he was on his job and she was on his he was doing his assignment she was doing hers her assignment was not to look for a man his assignment was not necessarily to look for a wife he found her in his own field right under his nose why because the Lord is honoring Naomi (laughs) The Lord is honoring Naomi. The Lord's hand is against me. The Lord has afflicted me. I went out full, but I came back empty. Basically, the Lord, is. there's nothing. Don't come with me, Ruth, because I don't have anything left. The Lord has even left me. Don't tell me you haven't felt, there, felt that. I have felt it multiple times. Then I learned better. Then he showed me better. Then he helped me, caused me to do better. The Lord is honoring Naomi through the through the faithfulness and the obedience of both Ruth, who is doing what she's supposed to do, and Boaz, who's doing what he's supposed to do. But she was in his field. He, she was led to his field why are our relationships when we have them regardless of whether they're platonic or other why are they so jacked up because we don't understand basic principles about how things work basic spiritual principles that the Lord has set in order for us to keep us from jacking up ourselves and somebody else we all get it and in many cases it's not talked about why because we just we just doing us we just doing what we know to do and in some cases, that's okay, because if we don't know, we can't do better till we know better. And the Lord's like, okay, well, if you want to know better, I'll let me tell you. Let me tell you how it's going to be done. But it's going to be hurt. It's going to be a little bit of hurt because we're going to have to press down that spirit of dirt. So, and I may not get through all of chapter 2 today, but we're going to see what, what what the Lord wants to do. He's taking care of her. At this point, he hasn't yet determined. Now he's found her. He'd recognized her. He's already provided for her. He's already protected her. But he's doing that because that is the kind of man he is, not because he wants something from her. The way what this story is about is God honoring Naomi. So, and Boaz answered and said unto her, I'm in Ruth 2, verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully shown to me all that you have done to take care of and to watch over your mother-in-law since her husband died and how you left everything you knew and came to be with her in a place you have no knowledge of. Here we go. Verse twelve. The Lord repay your work, and the full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you are come to trust. I think that's where I think that's where the Lord wants me to stop for today. Under whose wings you have come to trust. Understand, we have a problem leaving people we have grown up with. Now, full disclosure, I'm an Army brat. So my childhood was spent moving around. I think that has, you know, people say, well, well, you, you moving again? Yeah, I'm moving again. Not because I want to. See, I couldn't say that part. Not not because I want to, but because if I don't move, the consequences staying are going to be greater than the consequences going. And I knew that in my spirit. Once, hmm. there is no discipline. Now, I'm not talking about forming a habit. There is no discipline like the gentle but firm discipline of the Lord. You, you, if you haven't experienced it, you cannot know what I'm talking about. But I was willing have been willing, still am willing, to take the consequences of what it might, what might hurt me, right, and I'm I'm trying to say this in the right way, because it's not like a full pain, it just may be something that I don't want to do, fighting the spirit of dirt. The the carnal spirit is at enmity with the spirit of God in me, we war all the time. And yet, because I have, I know that I am a miracle. I know what God has delivered out that me out of and into. I know what he's telling me to do. doesn't mean I get it right all the time. It just means that when I don't get it right, I've learned to stop. Or when I don't think I know what he's saying, I've learned to stop and say I'm not going anyplace else because I am not going to let the flesh rule in this situation. So I have gotten accustomed. When the Lord says, look, I need you to go here, then I'm going. It might it might take a while, don't get me wrong. It could take it could take a while. There was a recent situation within the past 10 to 15 years and the Lord said, "I need you to go here." And I cried for weeks. Why? <laughs> One, I didn't want to go. Two, I didn't know anybody. Anybody there. Three, it wasn't an environment I wanted to be in. Period. Straight up. Or I had just literally, in the past six months, gotten to the place I was at. I was like, Lord, really? We just got here. So all of these things. cried, Tantrums on the floor. Don't want to go. You can have tantrums, by the way, with Lord. It's part of the uh, uh, private. Do it privately, though. Don't be around people when you do that. That's, no. We're not trying to bleed and leak all over people and vomit all over people. We have to have our private moments with the Lord. And trust me, I have had plenty of them. Would cry myself to sleep. Wake up crying. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be there. It's not that there was anything wrong with it. It's just not something I saw myself doing or going to. But at the end of the day, after you say no enough times, but you're willing, right? No, not doing it. No, not doing it. If you're willing and you're repenting, and I, was even, I wasn't even repenting every day at that point. I was just still willing. Lord, I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do, but this is really it's a struggle for me. And one day I woke up and said, "Okay." <laughs> After all of that, because he will tell you, say so you go ahead, get it out, then get up and go tell you what I would go do what I told you to do. Once you go through that process, and I've been through it multiple times, but I'm using that example specifically. You understand. That God is not playing, number one, and that what I call the consequences, that may not be the best term for it, the consequences of remaining where you are when he's telling you to do something else, whether it's to move, whether it's to change jobs, whether it's to take better care of your money, whatever. it doesn't matter what it is. If the Lord has given you an instruction, even a little one, even if you have to have tantrums and wrestle it out, you at the end of the day, you better get up and go do it. Because he's not going to let it go. And the consequence of staying in that place, we say we want deliverance, but guess what? Deliverance takes work. Deliverance can be painful. But as I have said before, and I will say again, your obedience, your deliverance is embedded in your obedience. That's why he puts such a high price on obedience. Jesus himself had to be obedient. Who do we think we are? Oh, I don't have to have it. No, you don't have to. That's why he says, I gave you a choice. It's your choice. But you are going to live by your own choices. Or I've already gotten everything accounted account- for. So you can just do what I tell you to do by the leading of my spirit. I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you into all truth. <clears throat> right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right. He will lead me. That means somebody's got to be actively moving. He can't lead you if you're sitting still, if you're committed to your past, to your heritage, to your culture, to your people, to other things in such a way, to your money, in such a way that you cannot move. He cannot lead. Then we say, oh, the world's not, it's not like I, it used to be. No, because you're not growing. Nothing's happening. What's happening? What are we doing? Boaz said, under the Lord in whose wings you come to trust. Trust doesn't mean like. <laughs> trust doesn't mean that you have to be so submitted and be... Trust is not that. Trust is not anything of what we understand to be trust. We all have trust issues. We're human." If we didn't have trust issues, he wouldn't tell us to trust. If we didn't have obedience issues or submission issues, he wouldn't tell us to obey. He's telling us the thing we need. I will provide all your needs according to my riches. We think riches, we think money, we think wealth, we think material. He's not just talking about that. He's talking about the entirety of who we are. Spirit, soul, and body. Well, people won the lottery and then they don't have any money. Why? Because there was no spiritual wealth. There was their souls need healing and deliverance. Discernment is a need discernment is a need we have that we don't pay attention to. Because some of these situations it's just a matter of discernment. Which spirit is operating right now in me? If he's told us that they're at war, he says, choose life, choose life, choose life. But we've got to know what that looks like. Where does life come from? Life comes from God, in and through Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit. So that's the side we have to we have to default to. We have to learn how to default. How do we learn how to default? Humble ourselves, repent, turn from our own wicked ways, not pointing out somebody else's wicked ways. He says, under Boaz says to Ruth, under whose wings covering, wings are covering, you've come. To trust. So it's still your choice. Whether you listen to me or anybody else, whether you just listen to your own self, it's still your choice. Nobody's taking away your choices. Or they shouldn't be able to, let's put it that way. But God is going to be God whether you believe Him or not. Just like gravity is going to be gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity. It still exists. You don't have to believe in sin. Seriously in need of healing. We were all born into it. So I can't call you out in yours. Right? We all have it. Think of it as the chronic disease of humanity. We are all seriously in need of healing. We like to go around and point out people's you know, choices and preferences and identities. No, that's not how this works. And every time you do that, the Lord is holding it against you. Oh, but we're supposed to know. He says, you are forgiven as you forgive. That's in the Lord's Prayer that everybody memorized, but nobody seems to know how to live. We're going to come back in the next segment, and we're going to finish up Ruth 2, at least I think that's what we're going to do. That's what I know right now. But God is faithful who promised. We are the ones that are not faithful, and we want to blame it on God. He's already done everything he needs to do. He's waiting, quote, unquote, not really. He's giving us the opportunity every single morning. His mercy is new every morning. Why do you think? And then we have the grace to move according to the mercy of God and finally line up with him. He's not saying you got to line up with me. That would have already been done. He's saying every day you have is an opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. That's why he says that. Today is the day for us to start this process. Yes, today is the day of salvation, but then he also says, work it out with fear and trembling. <laughs> that means that it's not a one-time deal. You better wake up every day and choose God. Because even when you think you know that you know that you know, you still don't know. Neither do I. I didn't understand what it meant. The more the, I used to hear people say, the older I get, the less I know. Oh, well, I know now you never have it figured out. But you should always be growing into and allowing the Lord to grow in you and through you so that while they may see my face or your face, what they're getting is the love of God. What they're getting is the spirit of God moving upon their lives, giving them the same opportunity he's given to you. Don't tell me about equal opportunity because there is one place to find it and unless we are operating in the spirit of God, then that doesn't happen the way we think. We wouldn't know how to do equal opportunity if it smacked us in the face because we don't love like that. We think we have to take from someone else to give to somebody, to have what we need. We don't have, as I said, we'll continue to say, we don't have a supply issue. We have a distribution issue. Anybody that's here, God can take care of 100% of 100%. And if we don't believe that, then we won't see the miracle signs and wonders that are supposed to follow us. That's what was happening with Peter. Peter was not doing ministry. Peter was walking under the shadow and the leading of the spirit. The spirit was bringing the things behind, following him. Pay attention. You can't have a shadow if there's no light. It's also in the Lord's Prayer. The valley of the shadow. If there's no light, there's no shadow. At any rate, under the wings, you have come under whose wings? The God of Israel that you've come to trust. And don't let anything that's happening in this world deter you god is faithful he has been he is right now he forever will be he wants all of us to live and walk in his love and anyone that's saying that you're not worthy that you don't deserve it that he didn't die for you will be held accountable by god this isn't an exclusive deal This is the best equal opportunity any of us is ever going to have. But we are so busy trying to work it out ourselves that we miss what's right in front of us. That every single day, all of us have the same opportunity. Every sun that rises, the mercy of God is new for each and every one of us every day. If we decide, if we choose to repent, he will hear. If we choose to turn, he will help us heal. If we choose to obey, He will truly deliver. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.